Let's go from a caterpillar to a butterfly today. Let's get our wings. I have Kelly from the Butterfly Guide here, and we're going to get into it. So here we go. You're listening to Welcome Home to the Suburbs. Designing a new home to be your family's sanctuary can feel impossible during the stress of moving. In this podcast, interior designer Jill Kalman shares practical advice, design wisdom, and lifestyle tips for anyone moving to a new home. You'll learn all about the psychology of a well-designed home and how to survive the move and thrive in your new life. Say goodbye to overwhelm and hello to a home you love to come back to every single time. Here's your host, Jill Kalman. My accessory course has finally launched. It is here. So to grab it, you can go to my website and click on course. Or if you go to my Instagram page, click the link in bio. That's right. I'm bringing it to you because over the last several years, it has been one of the top requested things that I get asked. And it just so happens it's what I'm really passionate about and what I've always loved to do. I always felt like your home wasn't fully dressed until I brought in that last layer and I loved doing it. And I love styling for my photo shoots. And most of the time I bring in all the accessories and get everything styled for a photo shoot. Guess what? The client wants to keep it all. Well, I'm going to show you my secrets, my tips, my tricks. It's going to be in a really simple video course broken up into modules that are going to be easy for you to get resources, solutions, and really quick wins at an affordable price, all with direction from me. So you can have your home looking like those sitting in a magazine or how I set them up for photo shoots really easily. I'm super excited. So if you're scratching your head about what to put on your coffee table, what to put on your mantle, how to arrange it, what to put in your bookcases, you're going to want to go click that link in bio and get this course at a very affordable price. I hope to see you there. Today, let's welcome Kelly Wilson. Kelly is a life activation coach igniting women's inner voice and authority so they can win at life, love, and relationships. Kelly's journey began 10 years ago when she navigated total life destruction after divorce, which catapulted her on her journey of self-discovery and reinvention, where she learned the true definition of authenticity, sovereignty, and soul-aligned living. Kelly's mission is to empower women to reclaim their personal sovereignty so they can win in life, love, and relationships. It is when you do the inner work to decondition and reclaim your authentic self, that life becomes extraordinary. And you can find her on Instagram. She is known as the Butterfly Guide. And we'll talk about it in a minute, but it's taking yourself from caterpillar to butterfly. And you're even going to hear my story of deconstruction and how I went from caterpillar to butterfly. So here we go. Hi, Kelly. I am so happy to have you with me today. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks so much for having me, Jill. It was great. We've had some good discussion. I know this is going to be really awesome and it's going to have such good information for our listeners. So I'll let you start just giving a brief introduction to what you do and who you are. Yeah, so I'm known as the Butterfly Guide. So I really help empower women to go through their journey from caterpillar to butterfly. And that's rebuilding your self-confidence, reclaiming your self-worth and practicing radical self-love. I love that. That's just fantastic. It's funny. I've been, I follow Mel Robbins and because she's coming out with this new book and the message has been like the most important relationship we have is the one we have with ourselves, right? 100%. This goes into that so well, and it's so important to remember, and I think as women, we forget that. 
And so having said that, let's start with one of your main premises, which I think is so important. It's the being versus doing and balanced living. I want to talk about what that means because it's so easy for all of us to get caught up in the habit of always doing. And I think particularly for women, because we are just, I don't know if it's our brain or what it is, but we are the multitaskers and there's always a bunch of balls in the air. So the doing we can get very caught up in and really neglect ourselves. So I'll let you have the floor to talk about that, but I want to start there with you. Awesome. So the reason why it's so easy for us is because we've been conditioned to live our life that way. And we've really been conditioned and we've been conditioned probably through our family of origin, through society, certainly through our culture to say the more we do, the more valuable we are. So of course, you know, women, and especially moms or career women, we're all wearing multiple hats. And somewhere in there, we have been conditioned to say, that is my value. So again, that is why it's so easy for us. And that's, it's kind of like our internal pressure system of, of course, I need to do that's what's expected of me. That's where I add value, you know, to the world. And so I'm here today to really kind of just bust that belief right Mm. here, right now. And let's stop that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Let's yeah. it on the floor, please, into pieces. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Because the truth is, and so why we start talking about doing versus being, and there's multiple layers to this, but, you know, society and our culture and really our humanity, our existence is starting to move and shift and pivot from this doing, doing, doing lifestyle. And we're starting to see that wake up right now, right? The whole Me Too movement was a big awakening that was happening. Mm -hmm. And what we're shifting towards is the being side of it. And so being is being who you are, being authentic, knowing your own value, not, you know, placing that on someone else, but knowing inherently I am valuable because I'm unique, I'm on purpose, and I'm simply being me. So I know I'm talking kind of very kind of esoteric at the moment. And there is a physical component of doing versus being. So when we step into the being part, we're stepping into our femininity. We're stepping into flow. We're stepping into really owning our intuition and letting it guiding us. And I believe that it's not one or the other. It's really about blending the both because obviously we need to do, right? We need to get things done. And being in our feminine and doing the being part of it is really makes things light up. And I I just, if I can just share an interesting personal story, I took a 40 day staycation this summer and it was with my kiddos. I was launching a business and of course you want to be in your business, you know, hands in creating, you know, building, building, doing. And I was forced to just pause and be with my kiddos. It was by choice, but you know, like I, it was a, it was a struggle. I received more clarity, did more with less just by being present. Because when I did show up being or doing, I had, you know, my priorities were more, you know, identified. I knew what I needed to work on. I had more clarity. So I knew exactly what I needed to do. What was my messaging? And so it created more efficiency in me by really pausing and blending that doing and being. Yeah, because sometimes don't we have to sort of slow our brain down because I find when we're doing and we're multitasking, your brain is just always moving like to the neck. Like my, I was just saying to somebody earlier this morning, like, 
my brain's always going ahead, <laughs> you know, because right. like you got to anticipate the next thing or whatever. And I think that that stopping, I took a 21 day vacation. We rented a place. So I did a similar thing because of COVID. We just hadn't been out of the house. We took a drivable vacation, rented a condo, and I did a small amount of work, but my brain was able to slow down. And I was able to, like you said, enjoy moments and just stop for a minute. I mean, I think that, you know, it's like a hard drive in a computer. It needs to like shut down for a bit. Right. And then you clear up that like clogness, if you will. If you just have so much going on, like you had said, you're kind of clogged. You're just into the motions of it versus why am I doing it? Right. Really, why am I doing something? Is it just because of this is automatic, this is robotic, yes. or is there a deeper purpose to why I'm doing it? And so when you clear, you know, you pause and you clear up that clogness, if you will, that's when the clarity comes in. That's when the new insights come in. That's when, you know, it's like, oh, this isn't lighting me up anymore. I need to make a shift. So your answers that you're seeking to those questions, those all come in the pause. Totally. And I also think with doing, we get, like you said, you feel like it's a positive thing because that's how we identify whether it be success or what we're supposed to be or whatever it is. But just the doing isn't necessarily fulfilling. And mm -hmm. the being makes us aware of like, well, okay, what's going to fulfill me? So I really, yeah, I really like that. And I think that's important for people to ask themselves like, am I always doing and like, what's the percentage I'm doing and what's the percentage I'm being, right? Yeah. That's a good question to ask ourselves, right? Yeah. And I started looking at it from a couple different angles. So let me just share this. You know, I look at it from a week, what percentage am I doing versus being, but then I look at it from the day in the morning, afternoon, evening, because I, I love doing, I mean, I am built to do like I get energized and I do that great in the morning. But yeah. I, I realized then to balance, I really need to rest and nurture myself in the evenings. Yeah. So it's quite the balance. And then if I look at the week, like I stack up my more doing things Monday, Tuesdays, and sometimes Wednesdays, and then my more light work and more like creativity towards the end of the week. So I look at it from multiple different angles of how can I balance. That's smart. And to take it at a micro level, like, okay, today... How much am I doing and how can I yeah, balance some being with that? I like that. Right. So let's talk then about maybe how this leads into the importance of this as far as women who are having to balance career and family and gain optimal living. We can discuss the whole career life balance and how it's different for men than women. Like one example I can give of this, I've known women who are the breadwinners of the family they're working crazy hours, they might be commuting, they're breadwinners, but it's they said it still falls on them to sign the kid up for soccer, arrange the birthday party, make sure the forms are back at school. So they feel like they really have to do it all and it gets it gets into a lot of doing as we were just talking about. So women who have like a full career maybe not don't have as much flexibility, although I know with COVID people are able to be more flexible with hours, but still it's a lot of time perhaps against the career. And then they have perhaps young children or a family they have to balance. What are your tips there? 
Yeah. And Jill, my heart goes out to these women and I, I am one of those women. And, you know, I have been the primary breadwinner for several years now, and I just left my six figure corporate job, Mm -hmm. you know, so I just, again, not only does my heart go out to women for that, also in our careers, you know, it's a very doing, doing, doing experience. Like we are valued on our performance. How many performance reviews have you gone through? Yeah. Right. And so again, that conditioning that we talked about is just like hyper conditioning in the work setting. So my best advice for all women in this experience is really the airline industry got it right. Put your oxygen mask on yourself first before you show up and take care of anyone else. Otherwise, you're living from an empty well. Yeah, and you're depleted and you're not showing up at your best. Your emotions will probably go awry. You know, you're not having those loving relationships. You might not be loving motherhood. And really, it's, you know, turn to yourself first and practice that radical self-love and show up for yourself and nurture yourself. Because when you're giving from a full well, life gets so much easier. Yeah, yeah, to be able to balance. And I think like it's hard sometimes for us to delegate And we have to be able to delegate and say, you know what, I can't do the sign up this week for soccer, I need help. And whether that means it's your spouse you need help from, or maybe it's your mother or your mother-in-law, or maybe there's a babysitter at home, like, you have to be able to delegate and say, I just have to take this one small thing off my plate and be okay saying that, right? Yeah. And I'm going to add that further. So being comfortable asking for help and then being comfortable receiving that help. So again, we're always so outward facing that it's hard to receive. It's hard to receive that help. One of my ninja tricks is when you're talking, just lean back. You know, we're taught again in career, lean forward, you know, show them you're interested. But receiving a receiving posture is to lean back in your chair and allow the information and receive the information coming to you. That's so good. Yeah. So, so important to really listen to this and practice it for sure. Yes. I want to talk also about self-esteem and how that plays a role in getting stuck. Now it might be getting stuck with maybe you've been a full-time mom at home and you want to get back to a career. Maybe you're feeling stuck in your marriage. Maybe you're just feeling like, I don't know, everything's the same. You need a change, but you're stuck, whatever the change is. Let's talk about self-esteem and maybe how that plays a role with keeping us down, let's say, or keeping us stuck. Mm-hmm. So I see this showing up a lot as I'm not good enough or mm-hmm. I don't deserve. So I'm not good enough to have it all. Mm-hmm. I'm not good enough you know, to do and be, let's just say, mm-hmm. or I don't deserve downtime because I just need to go, go, go. Or I'm expected to do this, so I need to do this. I'm not good enough to choose myself. Yeah. Wow. You have to be able to choose yourself. You have to think enough of yourself to choose yourself and say, I am important because, you know, without, I mean, what good is it if, like you mentioned before, if you're pulling from an empty well and you're a depleted, you know, I always say like, it's not so much about women and men. It's about being a human being, right? And we're all human and we all need that. And when we're expected to sort of be this, what I'll call superhero, you can be left very depleted. 
Absolutely. And then, you know, and so this depletion in this, this lower self-esteem that we just gave examples on, that's really the outcome of the conditioning, right? So always feeling like we need to keep up with everyone else or just keeping up with your to-do list or holding it all together. That's another big one, right? And so with all those expectations and shoulds, and that's what I call conditioning, that's actually what kind of creates that I'm not good enough feeling. I don't deserve feeling. So I just want to generate awareness for everyone that that's just conditioning. That's just a limiting belief. That doesn't mean it's a true belief. That's just a belief that you have right now that I don't deserve downtime because the world or my family, you know, expects so much of me. And you can absolutely change that. You can absolutely change that story to work on your behalf and say, no, you know what? I do deserve downtime because when I do it. I am. I have so much more energy. I show up with my kids better. And you know what? I'm starting to love life better. And that's what you are meant to do is to love life. Yeah. No, our thoughts are, and I talk about this a lot it's with mindset. And I went through like, I had a business coach who was also a life coach. So I learned very much that most of our thoughts are lies, but we believe them. Like, you know, we believe every ounce of it and you have to kind of stand back and watch your thoughts and go, well, that's just really a story that I'm telling myself at the moment. What if I sort of flipped it on its head and looked at it this way? And then all of a sudden, when your perspective changes, I think you sort of feel, at least for me, I feel like, oh, well, no, it doesn't have to be that way. I can actually do it this way. Absolutely. Right? Yes. And if I can add one more thing, this is my favorite thing to talk about because it's such a misconception. Mm -hmm. So let's just say I have a belief that says I don't deserve downtime. Yeah. And, you know, I try to carve out some downtime and my family is constantly interrupting me or the dog needs attention or I have to do something else. And the thought is, of course, I don't deserve downtime because, Mm -hmm. look, life is showing me I don't deserve downtime. And so what I really want to bust right here is life isn't showing you and confirming the validity of your belief that you don't deserve downtime. It's only showing you that you have a belief. That's all that it's showing you that it's present, not that it's valid. Mm -hmm. And so what I want to inspire people in knowing is it was a learned belief. And because it was learned, it can 100% be unlearned. Yeah, absolutely. You have to sort of train yourself to like, almost monitor your thoughts a little bit and question them. That's at least for me what what's worked. And that helps. Yep. That's what I call reclaiming your sovereignty, and which is really reclaiming your power and your own authority to say, yes, wow, look at me. That's an interesting story that's playing out. And I've created that story. So I'm going to work on that because you know what? That's no longer serving me. Yeah. So when you talk about, you know, you take people going from caterpillar to butterfly, is it sort of like addressing all of these things of where you are now and showing them a pathway to sort of stepping into your own self, which becomes the butterfly? that kind of a path. Yeah. You did a great job there. So thank you. Okay. Good. (laughs) Yeah. And it starts, if I can just say, it really starts with disruption. And I love this word. It might be a scary word, but it really starts with disruption because you need to be okay with, I'm no longer willing to live like this. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of draw this line in the sand to say, I'm done. There is a better way. And I'm ready to cross that threshold and to find that better way. So the caterpillar enters the chrysalis, right? Mm -hmm. And it really loses 
all form and what we go through like a deconstruction and deconditioning process Mm -hmm. to let go of all those beliefs, all of the, you know, the way that you are taught, the shoulds, the expectations of living life, because a caterpillar doesn't fly, a butterfly flies, right? Caterpillar doesn't have wings. So you go through this internal metamorphosis and you come out the other side fully who you've always meant to be, which is that beautiful butterfly. So this is a great segue into my next topic because that getting stuck feeling can be good because it's a catalyst for change. It's a catalyst to maybe leave comfort zones, face fears, practice self-love. You and I both have some personal stories about that. I'm happy to talk about mine if you want. But what you described is actually exactly what happened to me because I recognized like something wasn't working. And I had to go through a period of deconstruction where I sort of fell apart. Everything was sort of falling apart. Basically, what happened was I was home full time with my kids and I loved being a mom and I do love being a mom and I I chose to stay home and I enjoyed it very much. I was, this was like after the fifth year of doing it, my husband was traveling extensively and I was home alone a lot with the kids. And it became this, I think you and I spoke about it, where I felt like a little robotic every day. Like I was like, because especially with kids, they need routine, right? And they need, so it was like dinner times usually at the same time. And then you go from dinner to bath to pajamas and story time. And I remember one night just, he had been away a long time and I was just like, I was tired. I was just physically tired. And I remember they finished dinner and I was like, okay, here we go. We're going to go bath. And in my head, I was like, we're going to have a bath and then we're going to get in pajamas and then we're going to have bed. Like, and I remember just thinking, you know, and I just felt depleted. And I remember when I was going through this change, I was talking to my father. I said, I don't know what it is. Like I couldn't pinpoint what it was that I felt unhappy about. And he said to me two things. He said, one is, and I grew up in a family with a really strong work ethic. My mother who's 82, is an entrepreneur and still is. And for her generation, that was pretty rare, but that was a role model that I had. My parents always worked really hard. I worked in their business. I always had a job from a young age. He said, well, number one, you've always had a job. And I'm not saying that what you're doing now isn't a job, but you always had a job like outside of the house. You worked. But he said, I know you've said to me, it's not like you aren't busy. You are, you're busy. And I said to him like, you know, I'm running around, I'm picking up at preschool, I'm getting the groceries, I'm taking care of the house, you know, the million things we do. And I said, so it's not like I'm bored, I'm busy. And he said, yeah, but are you fulfilled? And it was like somebody dropped a crater on my head. That one sentence, I felt like a crater smacked me in the head. And I was like, oh, like I was thinking, oh, so I'm supposed to like, I guess, think of me, right? Because he said, you're taking care of everybody else. And that's fulfilling to a point, but are you taking care of yourself at all type of thing was the message. And so from there, that kind of led me to go, you know, the work that I had done in the past, the jobs I had were good, but they were never super satisfying. There was always something creative missing. And I literally kind of sat myself down. And that's when I said, what is it that you like to do so much? What is it that like, you know, kind of makes your heart sing. And it had to do with the fact that we had bought this house and running to the workroom to have draperies made and picking out wallpaper and picking out the paint and measuring and doing all this stuff. And I knew I had kind of a background in it because of my parents' business, which was in antiques. And my mom 
has a great like aesthetic and design. And so it was kind of innately there, but I sort of rejected it because we always sort of reject what we grew up in, right? Like, I'm not going to do that, you know? And from there, that led me to call a local university about interior design programs. And from there, I had an amazing mentor who really changed the trajectory of my life, who was the person that ran the program. And he was somebody who basically just told me that I could. And just knowing that I could changed my life. And from there, I I ended up, this was like now in 2006, going to school. And by 2009, I started my own business. And I just keep evolving in my business. And it's like the best thing I ever did for myself. And so I went from that kind of deconstructive period to this butterfly period where I flew. And it almost makes me want to cry now. But you had to go through that muck. And it was real muck. Like felt like shit. You just, I know that I had to go through that for this to happen. This wouldn't have happened without that. That's a very moving story. And I have a very similar story. Didn't realize how similar it was. And what I heard, just what I want to share is what I heard from your story is the strength, right? The courage and the strength of saying, I'm going to choose me. And again, I'm going to be a little bit of a broken record. You said there's more to life than this. I am meant to be a mother, you know, and, and, and have a joyful life and really thrive in this. I had a very similar experience and I will highlight, I had a limiting belief that was also driving my bias. So same thing for me. I was a stay-at-home mom. I had four kids in five years. The first two were twins. That's how that happened. That's a lot. That's a lot on the body, let alone the the mind. (laughs) Exactly. And I remember three days into, you know, my twins life, I saw my former husband. He was so natural at parenting. Yeah. And I broke down and I just, I had this belief of, I was not a good mother. I was not. And I, you know, again, I I was probably the the best mother and I had people tell me that, but internally I had this, I was not good enough experience. Yeah. Yeah. And I left my corporate IT career and went into a stay-at-home mom for, I think it was eight years. And the exact same thing, like I had postpartum depression. My body barely recovered, probably didn't recover from having four kids in five years. And so I was the the exact same, you know, like lowest low, I was going to say the end point. Yeah. And something needed to change. And unfortunately, I ended up getting divorced. I asked for the divorce and that was my catalyst. And what, what was interesting was that is when my deconstruction phase really started because I lost all concept of life. And I was forced to say, who am I? What what does it mean to live in this world? I was on my own raising four kids by myself. Yeah. Right. Wow. Yeah. And just really, and what I understood years later was this low self-esteem was driving my bus and how it was showing up of me not feeling good enough as a mother. And I will say now I am an amazing mom. My uh-huh. kid, I have wonderful relationships with my kids. And really what I see and what I saw myself, and I love this quote, and it's by Anon. Nias Lynn, mm-hmm. and the day came when the risk to remain tight in a bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom. Because I really want to highlight for some that change is incredibly scary and incredibly uncomfortable, and it can stop you from wanting to change. 
I was scared out of my wits. I remember when I got the name of the contact I had to call at the school about the program and I had the phone call and it was a great phone call and I knew what I needed to do to register and all that. And I, I remember I hung up the phone and I had the paperwork, you know, nearby. And I remember I had to like walk, I couldn't like go near it for several days. Like it was scary to actually fill it out and send it in. But I did. I mean, I did. I made the deadline. I wasn't going to miss the deadline or anything, but I just, you know, I was scared. And I went to the first class and it was like the most exhilarating three hours I had had in my life. (laughs) And I was like, oh my God. (laughs) But yeah, it's, listen, I was scared. I was scared, you know, and there's days I still get scared. I'm doing very different things in my business right now. It all can be scary, but you can't really grow unless you jump and take that scary leap. You know, you have to sort of like, I always use the sentence, like, I'm not going to let the fear win. The fear's here and I'm going to acknowledge it, but I'm not going to let the fear win. I had a huge fear when I, as much as I wanted to launch this podcast, I desperately wanted it. But I remember when the company came to me and they said, okay, we need the first three episodes for your launch. You got to start recording. And I sat down to record the first solo episode and every terrible thought went through my head about you can't do this. You sound horrible. People are going to think your voice is dumb. You don't, I mean, all that stuff, I, you know, we're so hard on ourselves. And the podcast has been one of my favorite things I do in my business. Cause I get to talk to people like you and I learn so much and I, we're able to put out some information to other people and help other people. So I love it, but yeah, you've got to go through crap, fear, anxiety, whatever to sort of, I think, get out and become that butterfly, right? Yeah. And, you know, I was 38, you know, single, hadn't worked in eight years, four young kids by my side. And I remember thinking, who would want me? Really? Like, who would want me? And you know who wanted me? Mm -hmm. I did. I fought for me. I wanted me. I want to share my personal mantra to get over my fear. And I mean this in a very respectful way, but I can't remember how many years ago, if you remember during our Iraq war, it was the answer lied for our troops to go through Baghdad and they were going to go through Baghdad to get home. And so my mantra through my divorce, and so I share gratitude with, you know, that whole experience was I'm going to Baghdad. I'm going through Baghdad, which for me was... I'm going to go face my greatest fears yeah. because I would rather face them than live in the cloud of fear. So it was fun. I was visiting my dad who lives in Arizona during that time. And we were, we were going to take a road trip to Sedona Yeah, and he looks at me and he's like, Kelly, there's a city called Baghdad on our way to Sedona. I'm like, dad, we're going through Baghdad. I love, went through Baghdad. I love it. No, but and you bring up my next point, which is that if you let yourself stay stuck, if you let the fear take over, if you let the limiting thoughts take over and you don't change, you know, it's just, it's a lot of years to live like that. You know, no one has to, no one has to. Right. If I can just give a tip about leaving your comfort zone, because that's what we're talking about. Yeah. And so really just putting it in perspective for anyone that's hearing this and that's feeling this right now, you know, the fear, the fear comes from your ego wanting things to stay the same. Your ego knows how to operate. You know, it knew that Kelly was a mother of four that was married. It knew how to wake up in the morning and how to go to bed at night. It was very comfortable. So when you're leaving your comfort zone, it's the unknown. 
And your ego is like, no, no, no. My whole job is to create safety for you. And I have no idea what's on that other side there. So I'm going to do everything I can, which is your mind, you know, talking you out of it to stop you from going to the next step. And so if you just really kind of sit back and understand, wow, this is what's happening. There's a part of me that wants to keep me safe. It's Mm -hmm. doing that on purpose and it's trying to, you know, keep me here. Mm -hmm. Thank you, part of me, for trying to do that. I'm still going to choose this and we're going to, you know, come along together, right? You know, this is going to be scary, but we got this, you know, we can find support. We got this. And you kind of take the wind out of the sail of that fear. Yeah. Cause I've learned, you know, our brains are very primitive. And so we, we, you know, we're sort of creatures of habit, right? Like you said, you want to stay in that comfort zone and it, that goes back to our primitive brain. And you have to just say like, no, it's it, it's okay. We can look at this another way. This could be done another way. And I always feel like, so if I try, what's the worst that could happen? Like, even when I was afraid about this, so I thought, well, if I sign up for design school and I don't like it, what's the worst that can happen? I learned I didn't like it and I'll try the next thing. Like the the world's not going to fall apart. My family's not going to fall apart. Like I have to give myself this chance. So I mean, I think we're all probably afraid of failure and that can hold us back too. But I sort of take it from well, if I don't try, how am I going to know? And what is the very worst that could happen? Okay, so I don't like it. And I learned I don't want to do that. I'll find the next thing that I want to do. And as soon as you cross that threshold of fear, Mm -hmm. it's always easier. Like you said, you know, you then went into a three hour class and it was amazing. So just also know that, you know, as soon as you face it, that fear is going to go away or it's going to get much quieter. So it's just that initial like crossing the threshold. That's the scariest. And once you do it, it will get much smoother on the other side. Yeah, that's a good point, too, because really, I left that class and I was like, I am so glad I did this. Like, I'm in the right place. This is where I'm supposed to be. And then the rest is history that took off from there. But aside from that, you know, as being a mom and I, and I, I love being a mom, my kids were at an age where I had one in kindergarten and one in preschool. So I think before I did this, I was like, well, my husband's gone all the time. Like I have to be here. Who's going to be here. But then I looked at it like, okay, well, one's in kindergarten from this time to this time, one's in preschool from this time to this time. And the class happens to overlap when, with when they're not home. So no, you don't have to stay home and clean the house. You can go to this class for three hours, right? Like I allowed myself to go and do that, you know? And, but what was cool about it is once I really got into it, because I have two girls, I thought this is a cool like message for them too. Like they can, they can be and do who they want to be. They can try new things too. And if the choice is I want to be at home full time for X amount of years, fine. But if it's, I want a career too, or I want this too. They have a role model. Like my mom was an entrepreneur, but she was also a part of my life. I didn't feel abandoned by her because she worked. But for her generation, she was not the norm at all because of beliefs. Nothing that was true, but because of beliefs. I love that you're saying that. And just this week, I put my 10-year-old to bed and we always go through a gratitude practice of, and this happened to be, what are you grateful for about me? Usually it's, what are you grateful for about today? Name three things. Mm -hmm. And he said, mom, I love that you are helping so many people in the world. And I'm like, I love that. Yeah. And being that role model, like that's what, I mean, you know, being, so you go through all of those hard times and that deconstruction, right? And that disruption and all those painful moments for choosing you, right? Choosing your happiness, choosing your fulfillment. And that made it worth it. 
you know, those little moments of you can see it and you're like, okay, I did good by my kid because he can see what I'm all about and why, you know, I am who I am. Yeah. And I had a full circle moment because without like, you know, saying anything to my kids, like I do this because of whatever, like, I don't do that. I just did it. And they, they watch everything. When my daughter was a senior in high school, it came time to write her essay for college. And I got a call from the guidance counselor that was helping her. And she said, the essay is all about you. Hmm. And I said, what do you mean? And she's like, she talked about how, how she saw you work so hard to get your degree in design and then start your own business. And we did always have a strong work ethic. So we, she did have summer jobs and she talked about like her summer jobs and how watching you and how that's impacted her life. And I was like, really? <laughs> like, you don't really think they're watching, you know, like <laughs> I thought it was something maybe later on she'd realize, you know, when, she, if she became a mother that she'd realize, oh, my mom kind of went into this, but it was here. She was at 18 applying for college, writing about it. And I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> so it is uh, interesting, you know, that's so heartwarming that that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So it's cool. They, yeah, our kids see everything, everything, the good, the bad, everything. So let's also talk about, because, you know, design's sort of my thing. And when we talk about these things, you know, I'm very much into how our homes are very connected to us emotionally, the psychology of home, everything. So when we talk about all these things you, we have talked about, how do you think, or are there tips you have for making spaces in our home supportive and maybe not chaotic to sort of help that being time and how our homes can support us as well? Is, is there any tips you have on that? I do. Yeah. So going back to the doing versus being and, and the way I also think of it is doing is a very masculine energy and being is a very feminine energy. Mm. So if you do have a job and it's out of the home and you are doing, 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 you know, for eight hours a day and driving. So let's say nine, 10 hours a day, I would encourage you to play around with bringing more feminine into your space. So that could actually look like water or water mm -hmm. features to create more flowing energy mm -hmm. is a beautiful example of feminine energy. And actually, it's a beautiful example of blending because without the structure, aka the masculine, the water can't get to where it wants to go, the feminine. So I actually have a fountain in my house that I love listening to it. And then really promoting that tranquility. So again, if you're doing outside a lot, or even I, I work from home now. So I'm doing, 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 yeah. just, you know, balancing that with the more being, so the more feminine energy, maybe more airy curtains, maybe yeah. more light. Again, anything to promote maybe that more free flowing, the intuition, the love, play soft music. That's all that feminine energy that would bring in the balance. Yeah. Water is so calming in general. Like most people feel calm and that's why the color blue can be and shades of blue are very popular and people gravitate to them, especially in their bedrooms because they're soothing. So that's all really good advice. This has been amazing. You and I could chat forever. We, we really sing from the same sheet of music as they say. <laughs> so, but I would love to close the show with any other last quick tips or advice you have for the listeners. And then we'll let everybody know the best place to find you platforms and so forth. I know you also have a freebie. So I'm going to let you tell everybody that it will be in the show notes for the audience that's listening. If you want to connect with Kelly, 
It's all in the show notes and all the links will be clickable. So it'll be right there for you. So I'll let you take it away with that, Kelly. Awesome. So thank you, Jill. This has been, like you said, such a wonderful conversation and I could talk for hours with you. So I really have two reminders for the audience, one of which is if you're doing things and especially if you're feeling a little bit robotic, pause and say, why am I doing this? Am I doing it out of expectation because I feel like I should be doing this? Anytime Mm -hmm. you say should to yourself, that flag should go up to say, pay attention, Mm -hmm. dig into this a little more. Mm -hmm. And really pausing, so pausing is being, Mm -hmm. and listening and honoring your answer. Mm -hmm. And for me, that is radical self-love, honoring your inner voice. And even if your voice says, don't do something. And I, so I just want to say, it's not as black and white. Even if your voice says, don't do this, and you still decide to do it, Mm -hmm. it's different because you're doing it from a place of awareness. Mm -hmm. And that is empowerment versus just doing it for the sake of doing it. So that's just reminder number one. Reminder number two is any moms out there or women that are balancing career and family, put your oxygen mask on yourself first. Practice radical self-love. And for me, the word radical means non-negotiable. My -hmm. self-love practice is Mm non-negotiable. So I would love to connect with anyone that feels inspired to connect with me. You can reach me at all in my social media. My website is The Butterfly Guide. So I'm at The Butterfly Guide and Mm thebutterflyguide.com. I also have a freebie I would love to share with all of you. And it really, it's a workshop on how to begin your radical self love journey. Mm. And I promise you it is going to expand your awareness because there's a lot of misconceptions out there about self-care and self-love. Sure. And we talk about it all. We talk about the blocks and barriers to why we stop ourselves from practicing self-love. Yeah. And one of the misconceptions, if I can just add, is you think you might be doing it and then you're like, you know what? It's not helping. So I don't see the value in it. It's probably because you're only doing one small section of the whole. So while you're filling your cup, you're only filling it to an eighth. There's so much more that needs to be filled. And I cover that all in my freebie. So you can get that at butterflyguide.com slash self hyphen love. But I know, Jill, you're going to include those show notes as well. Totally. This is so good. And I'm so glad you have that free workshop. And I think for someone to talk about doing something for yourself, carve out 45 minutes. I'm going to advise the listeners, carve out 45 minutes and go to that workshop. You know? Yeah. And it's a recording. So you don't have to, you can do it anytime. And if that's 10 o'clock at night in the bathtub, do it. <laughs> exactly. Lock it. As moms, we like to lock ourselves in the bathroom. <laughs> anyway, this has been awesome. Thank you again for coming on. And I'm sure you and I will connect soon. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you. Okay. So I hope you enjoyed listening to Kelly as much as I did. I could really talk to her at nauseum. She really is amazing and has such good insight into so many things. But one thing Kelly and I talked about and one thing that I like to do on this platform of my podcast is to bring topics up that might not be so easy to discuss. And I remember when I was going through my transformative period, it wasn't so easy to discuss with other moms. And the one or two moms I brought it up to sort of looked at me cross-eyed, to be honest. 
Plus, a mom, you know, I live in a a suburb where a lot of the moms are home full time. And there was a bit of criticism and judgment, whether it was forward or behind my back about wanting to also work outside of the home. The reality is, if you're a mother, yes, you're a mother. But that doesn't have to completely define you. You can be a mother and a teacher. You can be a mother and a doctor. You know, I'm a mother and I'm a designer with my own business. And that's all okay. And there's other topics we've discussed on the podcast that, you know, some people just have a hard time talking about. So if anything, it gives you an outlet where you feel like, oh, wow, that really resonates with me. And I'm glad I'm not feeling alone. That's amazing. And you can connect with Kelly on Instagram. She also has a freebie. She briefly mentioned, but she has her 45 minute free workshop on how to begin your radical self-love journey. So it's a free workshop that she's giving and the link will be in the show notes for you, but take advantage of it. Connect with her, connect with me, connect with a friend, whatever. You're not alone in, in these feelings. And listen, it's a lot to juggle life and motherhood and career. And even if you're not a mother, you could be going through you know divorce and career change. COVID has brought on a lot of different things that have made us sort of hyper focus on what's important and we might all be up for some kind of change. So I hope you enjoyed it. And from my home to yours, I will see you here soon. Thanks so much. And as always, you're going to want to always head over to jillcalmaninteriors.com. I've got a wonderful new freebie for you called the room planner. And most of the time that you're not getting your house decorated, it's because you don't have a plan in place. This helps you cover it all and get it in motion so you can accomplish your home design goals. Go grab it now. It's totally free. And my course is also still available on the website along with so much more. I look forward to seeing you there. Thanks for listening to this episode of Welcome Home to the Suburbs. Head over to jillcalmaninteriors.com to learn more about designing a beautiful new home while minimizing the stress of moving. See you back here next week.